Welcome to Gigami, the podcast for up-and-coming musicians who are serious about turning their talent into a career. I'm Dave Holly. I've toiled in the trenches of the music industry, man and boy, for more than 30 years. Each week I talk to an artist or exec about their experience of how the industry really works and what you can do to give yourself the best chance of breaking into it and build a good life and make a good living while creating the fantastic music you were put on earth to create. If you have any questions or just want to get in touch with me, go to gigami.co. That is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. I'll always reply. Until then, on with the show. Today's guest is Paul MacDonald. Paul is an artist manager who runs Closer Artists, where he works with George Ezra, James Bay, James Morrison, and several other artists and writers. I have to apologise for the sound quality in this interview. There was a a technical hitch at my end. It's not quite where I'd like it to be. But I think the advice Paul gives is very important and needs to be heard. I hope you enjoy the conversation and find it useful. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for making time to come on this podcast, Paul. Pleasure. I'm just going to dive right in. How did you become a manager? I became a manager through... Um, <laughs> because I had to, really. I've been lucky enough to work in um, major record labels and, and later major publishers for 20 years from the mid-80s. I started at uh, Trevor Horn's label ZTT and then worked at London Records and Virgin and Warner Chapel. And towards the period of like 2001-2004, the industry went through a huge change and there were lots of um, mergers and takeovers and as a result of that, I got caught in two of those and got made redundant twice within three years. Didn't seem to be doing anything wrong. I was working in A&R at Virgin when EMI took over. And then I escaped there and went to Warner Chapel and was doing A&R there in publishing. And then a consortium of American bankers took over, led by uh, Edgar Bronfman, who was part of the Seagram's dynasty. And lo and behold, 20% of the workforce around the world was made redundant. So sort of in, in my early mid-30s, I sort of flipped out of those situations and thought I probably wasn't going to get another gig in A&R again. So I worked with a band called Editors, who I'd been sort of sitting on watching and watching develop while I was in the latter days of Warner Chapel. And I took them to my friend Keith Armstrong, who uh, was resurrecting kitchenware records and publishing up in the Northeast. And so we worked on them. And then literally the first week of, of sitting at home going, OK, well, I better start something new. I was introduced by an old contact to a 19-year-old lad via a, a two-track demo who was living in Derby and playing covers in a local bar. And I jumped in my car, blown away by his voice, jumped in my car, went up there and, and met a 19-year-old James Morrison, who I then you know, went on to manage and still do manage now. And that really was the start of, was the, start of the company management situation. Oh wow! So, so you you almost found the artist before you made the plunge into management. Yeah, I think I think the artist and the name came the same day, really. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so that company was called um, Connected Artists, and and I worked on that project with no office from home in a room that in a bedroom that used to be my kids' playroom became my office, and I used to sit here in those days and burn CDs and send them off to our people and this that, and the other and and uh, did whatever it took he used to, to bring james down during the week he used to stay at, at the house and then introduce him to writers and producers and he worked on his songwriting craft because he really didn't have any experience of that as a 19 year old he just had this 
unbelievable talent, this this voice that just blew me away. And yeah, it, it, we were lucky enough to, you know, three years later, he had a number one album and, a, and was a Brit winner. That's amazing. Is, is there any sort of formal training for managers? Well, in my, in my case, I mean, I, I sort of, as I say, I came out of 20 years of being on the other side of the fence of being in labels and so on. And I suppose you do acquire a skill set without even realizing it you know that there is no formal training i mean there are managers i guess that come in with more of a business hat on but that certainly wasn't me i think that's something you acquire along the way i came in very much from an a&r perspective and from an artist development perspective which is what i still love doing now so, so, so yeah there are, there are different routes i guess and, and i guess that there's, there's sort of a variety of services that a manager can provide from from very business focused business planning financial through to creative that's right yeah yeah. are you you guys more on the the creative side no i don't don't think you can be you can be one or the other i think you have to be both i mean you 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 certainly use backup services of lawyers and accountants and and so on to to do the actual you know professional business but i mean i would say we look after two sides of an artist's life we look after their creative life and we look after their business life as far as the creative side is concerned you you try and put them in the best creative environment for them to to do their thing you know to, to make their art to make their music and then on the so you might inter- introduce them to songwriters producers studio situations you work with them on developing their live performance all the things that they need to go and sort of face face the world in a public way you know and, and that probably that could take two three years sometimes that 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 gestation i mean a lot of our artists we found when they were teenagers and, and either a couple of them finishing school, a couple of them finishing college, you know, and others that were sort of playing small gigs and so on. And then the other side is you get involved in their deal making. So trying to get them into, into record deals and those take many different shapes these days from the traditional to the, to the self-release to the independent and so on. Publishing deals, merchandise, all their live activity, any corporate stuff, any branding deals that come in. And of course, it then leaks into, you work so closely together that, that it leaks into their personal activities as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're spending a lot of time in our company doing at the moment is bringing mental health support to our artists via experts that we that we introduce them to. There's a whole other podcast to be made on the effects of mental health on artists in, in, in modern music making. We're sitting here talking, I hope we're not in the middle. I hope we're coming to the end of... Uh the COVID crisis of 2020, 2021, presumably that kind of side of looking after people or being concerned about people, that's got worse in the last few months, has it? I think it's really hard for artists because they're sitting at home and they're not living a life. And and without doing that, it's very hard for them to be creative. I think that the things that impact on um, an artist's mental health now are very much to do with the fact that all of the stats about them, all of their streaming numbers, all of their socials numbers, are there in black and white for people to see. And unfortunately, they look at other artists and they compare themselves. It's a natural thing to do. It's very, I don't know many artists that can actually ignore all of that stuff and just get on with their thing. If they've got any sense of competitiveness about them, which many do, they, they, you know, they look at the people going, well, why are they doing better than me? Or why can't my numbers be that? Or why is my track not streamed that many? And I think it has a very, very difficult and can be damaging effect on them it's almost as though it's a race and and music should never be that yeah it's sort of zero sum game you know somebody wins somebody loses that that, that's yeah i think that's right that can't be healthy i'd I'd recommend you did another podcast on that topic 
I will put that to my list of future <laughs> podcasts. Thank you very much. How, how big is your, your roster now, Paul? We've got about 12 active artists. There are 13 people in the office. Um, we also have a few songwriters, a couple of producers, a mixer. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've, we've grown sort of at a, a nice gentle pace. We're, we're ambitious, but, but we don't want to ever be too big and unwieldy so that we can't provide an amazing service for our artists. I think that's our number one, the number one thing that we try and task ourselves with. Do you cover the the, the world um, for your artists, or do you look at certain territories? Yeah, no, we represent them for the world. Certainly, I mean, if if it if it became appropriate that that, for example, you know, there there are there are artist managers who have counterparts in America, but I think the world's a much smaller place now. I mean, I mean, pre-COVID, we were in the states every six weeks anyway, um, working. So. I think that uh, it's not totally necessary, but yeah, you would you would bring other people in if you felt it was it was to their advantage. Um, we don't represent any artists from other countries. Uh, I think that's quite tricky when you're not living in the same place as as, as the as the people that you're representing. I think I think personal contact is is hugely important. I think trust is a huge part of the relationship, and people need to be able to call you and and talk about anything really. What is the right time, do you think, for a a young musician to be thinking about a manager? I think as soon as they feel as though they want to step into the ring and do this thing seriously, I, th- I think it's, um, you know, music is a thing that we're all interested in, but it's, it's not everybody is cut out to do professionally. But I think if people have got an inkling, I think that the sooner that they can get some help and advice, uh, the better, really. I mean, I think we probably have a bit of a an unwritten rule that there's an age limit in terms of the age we'll take people on I, I don't see us ever taking on a 13 year old 14 year old let's say because i think those people have still got to develop as, as individuals and and clearly have got some development to do in, as far as their talent goes but i mean we've worked with people from seven, 17 16 17 i suppose uh, stages of school and college is when we've started with people do, do, you, do, you, do you have a kind of cut-off top end that, that, that you're looking at? <laughs> well, I think we view it that if you take on an artist and it's going to take a couple of years to bring them to market, get get the songs together, get them into a deal, you know, start releasing and so on, I think that once you start hitting your late 20s, there are some sort of media understandings to do with age that we cannot there are some barriers to entry that we can't get round on occasions and i think we would i think we'd prefer to work with people at a younger age that than, than being older and of course late 20s is not old by any means and, and i don't, don't want anyone to think i'm saying that and of course it's genre specific as well you know we, we work in pretty much in mainstream pop and rock so if you're maybe a jazz musician or a classical musician or something a little more um, adult or esoteric then of course you know you can be any age because you're not you're not running a certain race yeah uh, the things i'm talking about are when you're trying to get onto onto mainstream media which is where we generally operate so what would be the the sort of stage they would be at when they start working with you is it sort of pretty much straight out of school college that 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 kind of period yeah i think i think that period or if they've been sort of you know trying to do the rounds for a couple of years and playing down the, down the local pub or whatever it might be. You know, I think that I think we view the early years of, of an artist's um, development as, as very much as an apprenticeship. You know, it's, it's like 
uh, our most successful artists probably ended up writing a hundred songs before they made their first record, first album, and and that that is the same for most. You know, it's the same for James Page or Jezra, James Morrison, John Newman, a lot of the people that we've worked with, and we definitely see it as a as a sort of unwritten apprenticeship, and that includes getting better live, learning what to say to an audience, not feeling nervous standing on stage and, and we we work very hard on all those areas with our artists to help them grow and develop and of course there's a confidence that comes with with their music getting better and them feeling great about that and that that can take a moment so if you if you give yourself a sort of two three year developmental phase i mean some people are, are quicker you know some people some people come to market quickly and, and, and other people just take a minute and, and need to find out who they are and develop their sound so uh, you just want to give yourself that space. My experience is that any overnight success, or virtually any overnight success, is is a, is a product of many years of of, yeah. of learning the craft uh, of practicing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think what's exciting now about the music, the way artists, young artists, can literally upload their own music and release it, and not wait for labels and so on. And I think there's more and more of that happening. I think you can make a track in your bedroom today and it'd be up there tomorrow and you can get a response. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Either, either through, you know, releasing it through the DSPs on like Spotify or through SoundCloud or just on YouTube or on your Instagram or, or whatever. So I think that's pretty exciting for people um, to be able to get, you know, as I say, get the feedback. But on the other hand, you've got, you've got to be able to take that feedback in the right way if people don't like it. Yeah, no, that's um, <laughs> taking feedback is a, is a very difficult thing for a creative person to take. Yeah, I think one of the things that we think we do quite well is developing young artists, developing artistry. I mean, I think the whole company really is sort of built on great voices. I think that's one of the things that we've always looked out for. And we sort of figured that if the person has a great voice and the right attitude, the rest of it can often follow it's not always the case but i think if you're looking for raw talent it, 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 we love great singers and then a great attitude and then a great work ethic and, and some of those things can be you know you can work together on on because people might not understand what a great work work ethic really means mm. um you can also look for people that have got great ingenuity you know that that determination to, to, to push forward people that are hustlers people that are just finding their way into situations, into little demo studios, or, or working with other musicians, or you know, putting out music themselves, and so on. So there's a, there's a number of different things that you look for in artists, and then and then you just hope that they sort of take to it and 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 love the process because there is a process. A process of taking them from sort of launching their re- releasing their own stuff into my, my, in, into becoming a professional I, I guess my question was going to be if they're releasing their own stuff why do they need a manager well i mean it's fine to just you know we could we could we could all uh, they could all put music out but you've got to try and turn all of the eyeballs and ears out there in the world onto you when there are 40,000 pieces of music a day being uploaded around the world so it's about strategy, it's about campaign, and it's about planning and all those things we, we, we try and bring to, to our artists. You know, I, I, I think it's, it, it would just be asking too much to think that, you know, you can put something up on your Instagram and, and the world is going to find it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, what can uh, young musicians 
sort of do to make themselves ready for, for, for somebody like you? Yeah, I think um, I think they can. They have to look at the things they can actually control at that, at that time of their lives, and obviously their ability to perform is one of those things. You know, I, I go back to the idea of it being an apprenticeship in the early stages. So, if you're a singer, you've got to work really hard at your singing and at your performing, and and you know whether you know you might only be singing at home in your bedroom, or or you might be singing to family or you might be you know taking your first steps to, to going down to a small venue or whatever those, those things that's you know there's 10,000 hours of that that can be done um i think that hopefully writing songs and, and maybe playing an instrument alongside of that or other areas that it's a classic case of the more you do the better at it you get um and and if you're not an you know if you're not an instrumentalist then as i say you can you can hustle you can also you know if you've made a demo Put it up on BBC Introducing. You know there are there are there are channels there, there are smart channels that, that, that young musicians find the way now, and that's a way of getting heard. I mean, the scouting network is really really sophisticated. There are people out there who are just looking and waiting to find new talent. We we are very very fortunate at the moment to be working with a, a young artist called Holly Humberston, and she was from Grantham in Lincolnshire. You know, not a musical hotbed generally. Um, and she uploaded music onto onto the BBC Introducing site, and that was one of the first places that, that we heard her um, and were drawn to her, and immediately saw that it was an incredible talent, you know, a, a talent in its in its early stages. So I think that you know, look inward and say, what can I be doing right now to sort of put myself out there, but to get better at what I do? Because you know, I promise you, the more the more you do it, the better it you'll get, however good you think you are. It's 16, 17, 18, 19. You know. are, you, are you looking for image as well, or are you looking for pure, pure kind of musicality? I think musicality first and foremost. I think I think image is a um, a relative term. I think what's a good image for one person is, is not a good image for another person. I think one is looking for authenticity, but also invention. And and you know, it's great if people are interested in in. Photographers, designers, video makers. I think that the more complete a young artist can be in terms of how they see themselves and, and how they want to be portrayed, and even if those things are wrong, well, I don't know what wrong is, but even if those things don't end up being the final um, product, as it were, it, it starts a conversation. You know, if somebody says, Well, I see myself wearing this, and you're like, Going, great, well, let's introduce you to somebody that works in that area, and, and they might bring two or three other things that you might be interested in. So, yeah, I, I think you want a completeness, if you can, from an artist. And that takes a moment. You know, it takes a moment to understand what that means, and it takes a moment for them to put themselves in, in an all-encompassing world. But, you know, suddenly it's they're in the business of, of, of being an artist, and, and that's a big leap forward from sort of leaving school or leaving college or whatever. Mm. When, when they're... When they're... I guess you, you you know you you've you've found them through through something like BBC introducing or do do you, of of your kind of thirteen people in your office are some of those scouts I mean are, are they actively looking yes, colleges exactly and, yeah yeah I I think we're all scouts in our office to be honest I think we'd never stop being scouts you know I'm I'm one um, you know but yeah we we have we have young A and R people that are out there looking talking to all the various sources, you know, and, and, and the, the tips on new artists come from all sorts of places. I mean, I suppose the most 
um, professional area is, is music lawyers. So I think it's amazing how young artists find themselves, you know, to, um, to music lawyers, how they find music lawyers who can represent them. I, when I was trying to be a musician at uni, I never would have known about that route. Um, so that's one thing. But equally, it can be a venue owner. It can be somebody working in local radio. It can be um, I had a call yesterday from a from a well-known booking agent who's got an artist that they've taken on on the live side that is not managed. So it can come through all sorts of different routes. There's, there's an enormous scouting network out there that will, that will, that will push talent towards. And, and while we're looking, people are, people are also good enough to seek us out, you know, uh, and, and send us things. And I guess, guess they must look at, you know... Or at least what I would do, I'd be looking at who who are the kind of artists that I aspire, aspire to Absolutely. be a peer of, and I'd, I'd kind of think who who are the people that are working with them, who are the managers and lawyers working with them. Yeah, I think start that's really smart. I mean, I think you've got to say, you know, well, what lane am I in, and therefore, mm. what do I think my route might be, and who's done that well, and whose campaigns have I looked at and liked, and look, look behind that, you know. Um, the management gets so involved now in campaigns alongside them. Um, alongside labels and so on that, that, that they have had to have had some sort of hand in, in guiding and helping that along so it's hugely to their credit so yeah i think that's a really smart thing to do yeah i think i think that there's an aspect of even if he's not reading a book as it were you've got to do the reading around the subject you've got to really understand the genre you're in and uh, who who else has worked in that genre and how and things yeah, they've done I, both with performers and, right. and how they've built careers yeah that's right. I mean, if somebody came to us with a with a metal band, we, we would obviously turn it down because we just don't know that world, and we wouldn't be able to do a good job for them. And if they came to us, they'd probably be barking at the wrong tree anyway. So, yeah, you should gravitate towards at least what you understand to be a, a knowledge of the, of the area that you're in. I, I really like that quote you just said, we, we're all scouts, really, because, you know, I I run a music publishing company, which which, to be fair, is much more specialised in, in, in kind of classical and neoclassical type uh, music, particularly our, our sort of major writers. Um, but we get, we get uh, you know, I would say we've got 200 people in the company, we've got 200 scouts, exactly the same. You know, we've, we've had people in royalties bring in fantastic writers and, uh, yeah. as, you know, as well, as well as people in Germany, people all over the world. So um, I think the music industry generally, they've all got their ears open. <laughs> Looking I think for that's you. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, first and foremost, we're all music fans, aren't we? So we want to we want to see talented people get their recognition and push them forward and help them in any way we can. And there's a funny, I think there's a funny phrase which is like, "We're, we're all better A and R people than the A and R people are." <laughs> <laughs> but don't mention that to the A and R people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when when they when they sort of you found them and and you're beginning to talk to them um, and you're you you've obviously got as you've been describing the the kind of process that you've got, um, they will I, I guess you know they, they may if they if if they're lucky have other opportunities. Uh, other managers that, that are interested in yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what 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 kind of questions should they be asking you to to sort of assess whether you're right for them? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, if it was if it was me and I was going to meet someone and they were going to uh, be a huge part of my potentially my career, my life, my 
you know, and they, I was going to allow them to get involved in my talent or whatever, I'd ask them for a three-year plan. Um, I'd ask them if they understood where I sat in in the in the sort of musical sphere. I'd understand. Um, I'd ask them if they understood and got who who I was and have those sort of conversations. Um, but I'd also ask them, what do I have to do to improve? What what can I be doing? And how will you help me to get better uh, and get to the right and get to the places I want to be? I'd, I'd tell them what my ambition was, and I and I'd ask them how they were going to help me get there. Um, I think I think trust is a huge thing between a manager and an artist. You just have to have trust on both sides. But obviously, from from an inexperienced artist, they have to trust the person that's going to be representing them. You know, when 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 that manager walks into a room with a label or a publisher or whoever, they are they are totally representing that artist, and the artist has to feel really comfortable about that. So I think those are the sort of things that I would be I would be saying. You know, and then and then it, it sort of lays out a, a roadmap of, of of expectations. You know, in the first year, you know, it might just be all about improving your songwriting and introducing it to certain people, and then we'll start doing a few live shows, and this, that, and the other, and then we'll do some early recordings, and then in the second year, you might start to think, well, maybe we'll release, you know, some things independently, and then I mean, it, it's hard to put hard and fast dates on anything because some things can accelerate and some things take longer. You know, if you don't quite, just quite get sound right or if the artist is still sort of trying to write those couple of great great songs who often just tell the world who they are um it, it doesn't come overnight sometimes and it takes a moment but generally i would i would be saying okay so so what's the next three years of my life going to look like it, it is, is it sort of a long courtship period when, when you're when you're sort of assessing each other um how, how long does that typically sort of take uh <laughs> I think from our side, when you see real talent, it can be instantaneous. Um, my my business partner Ryan and I were tipped on um, a young man called James Bay, who was uh, going to play an, an end of year concert at uh, BIM in Brighton, uh, Brighton Institute of Music. Uh, which was basically everybody from the end of the first term gets up and, and plays one song, and you know, with with, with their, you know, they make up bands and so on and so forth. And I think James hadn't got to the yet get, got to the first chorus when I turned to Ryan and said, "If we don't take this guy on, we're absolutely crazy." It was just so blindingly obvious from the moment he stepped on the stage and started playing and singing that he was great, and we we couldn't believe it. So it can be very quick. Uh, and then obviously we had to get to know him and, and he had to get to know us. And that 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 took a while and, and we started working together and that relationship just flourished and developed over time. And he trusted us. That 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 trust element was there right from the start. And then on other occasions, yeah, you can be battling away against other management companies that you know, there are some great management companies around and you can all be in a in a bit of a beauty parade and sometimes that takes a moment and, and the artist will either choose you or not, depending on how you've performed. Do you end up sort of meeting the parents, you know, if, if it's quite a young person? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes. I mean, I, I would always um, welcome that. We met Holly Humberson's parents early on. Uh, we met Lily Moore's uh, mum early on. And I would want, you know, I'm a parent and I would want that if it was the other way around. And I would also want uh, the parents of a young, if the artist was really young, to know that 
we were actually decent people and, and we were going to look after their, their son or daughter or sons or daughters. You know, I think it's really important. Mm. Who are the other people that, that, that an artist kind of needs around them to work on their behalf? I mean, I'm thinking a lawyer particularly. And I'm also kind of thinking, where does... Where does where, what's the kind of order in which is, is there a classic order in which a, an artist should should they get a manager first or a lawyer first? You mentioned sometimes it comes through lawyers. Or, or yeah, I think well, I think how, I think there's I think there's no rule really. I mean, I think I think um, if you, if if artists tr- try and look at the help of a lawyer, it's it, a it's generally free enough. It's, they don't have to worry about that too much. But it's usually to make introductions into other parts of the business for them, and, and primarily. Uh, to, to managers or, in fact, sometimes directly to labels. So it can often be that way around. I, I think having a manager first is probably the best way, but, but it actually wouldn't matter if there was a lawyer first. I mean, uh, the lawyer obviously comes into play when there are deals to be done, uh, and that could be the management agreement. You know, we, we, have, a, we have a written agreement with our artists, and, and that needs to uh, be protected on the artist's side by having had legal representation. I think later on down the line, when there are deals coming in and when an artist might get an advance from a label, for example, then obviously you, one would introduce them to, to an independent um, uh, accountant as well. Uh, and, and certainly at that point, obviously, they would have needed a lawyer. Yeah. So, so, so that, and I guess the lawyer should be a different lawyer to your lawyer. Is that, is that yes, right? That, because that, you, yeah, you, that, you, that would always be the case. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah the artist would always, would always need independent advice. We would work. With the lawyer, I mean, the only time you really sit at what we, what I would call, on opposing sides of the table, with with us having a lawyer and the artist having a lawyer, is, is when we work out the management contract, hmm. and then after that, we're we're all on the same side, you know. Yeah. So, so the protection is there. And 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 when yes, in, so, so if, a, if an artist has found found a lawyer, and and they've thankfully met somebody like you, and 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 you you you've you've then done a deal and you're working with them and deals start appearing i guess you know live agents or recording or publishing deal or, or, or whatever um is, is it is it the artist's lawyer that does the negotiating with you or is it you do the negotiating and they do the sort of papering of the deal or do you use your yeah. own lawyer how, how does I, it work I, I think the latter part really i think we, we would generally uh, from all the initial conversations would probably you know have picked the publisher that we wanted talk to or the label that we wanted to talk to or the labels or or the live agents and so on and, and and know quite a lot about them and know whether they were right for the artist. Obviously then the artist would become involved and and, and start a dialogue and, and a relationship. Um, and then it would be the artist's lawyer that would that would ultimately do those deals on their behalf. Because mm. you are effectively the agent of the artist. It's the artist Correct. that's contracting with them, not not you. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, we are we are literally the artist's representative. And I, I I think I think that's probably important for artists always to remember that and I'm not doing down lawyers or managers or anybody, but ultimately it's their own career and their own business interests and and I think that's absolutely right. You know, absolutely right. Managers you know, can they, come and go, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean, you know, it's if it's artist X, they are they get up every morning and then they are in the artist X business. Yeah. Their business, you know, uh, um, much as though it's it, it's art and so on, it's it's also a business. It's their livelihood, and that's why I go back to that the idea of trust. Really, as I say, you know, the manager represents you in all of those rooms, so you want to trust that that manager is representing you properly. 
Um, and that will hopefully become clear from all the conversations that you have along the way. You know, you hope that he's, he or she is going to be saying the right things and, and you feel as though they really understand you and are really going to portray you and also what, what you hope your wishes are. Mm. Even I, if you don't know them at the start, they, you know, they should be laid out and you should be given choices and the manager might say, well, I think this could be a fantastic situation for reasons A, B and C and this is probably slightly less good for reasons A, B and C. Yeah. There are people out there far less scrupulous than you, and, and I'd even include me in that. And I, I've, I've sort of heard um, of, of kind of young, up-and-coming people signing contracts with even, even even kind of PR, promoting-type people, where they're tied in. What, what are your thoughts on those kind of deals? How, how should... how Because cause I, I think young people generally want to get on with life and get, get stuck in. And, yeah. and are desperate to start, and particularly people that, that are in the, the sort of fierce competition of the music industry. What, what would you advise them in terms of? Because there will be people that come out, you know, if they've got if they've got talent, they'll come out of the shadows, and and some of those will be good guys, and some of those will be maybe not so good guys. How, how yeah, would you how would you get them to yeah. think about that? Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate when when young artists bump into the wrong sort of characters early on, and 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 if. If those people are asking for money to be handed over, um, I think immediately that's an alarm bell. You know, I think there are other things that artists do that the young artists do that they think are right. They, you know, they might think that that giving someone a thousand pounds to make an amazing video for them might be the right thing, but it just is. It's not. There are all sorts of areas where where that might occur, and and I think as a golden rule, anybody that's asking money from you is probably not got your best interests at heart at the outset. Hmm. Anything else to sort of beware? You know, if, if if a manager came asking you for certain terms, or, 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 is there well, anything well, that I would set your alarm bells going? Well, I just think to know that that um, anybody that's not suggesting that you have um, independent representation by way of a lawyer, if somebody's coming at you with a piece of paper, you know, pressurising you and telling you that you're going to be the best thing, you know, since sliced bread and please sign here and, and thanks very much. We'll do we'll do this hand in hand, fifty fifty all the way down the line, you know. Um that's a dangerous area and it needs to be looked at and you, you need proper representation. You know. it, it happens, you know, you can't believe it happens these days, but it, it still does. I mean, I came up against an artist who who had literally signed their life away to a to a very, very unscrupulous manager in another country. Last year, we, we would love to work with that artist. He just literally couldn't entangle himself from the situation he was in, and it was pretty heartrending, to be honest. You know, somebody had tied him up in knots without him realizing, and one of the things he didn't get was was legal representation. So there's a root cause for that, but it's a very long-winded and expensive one because you, you've then got to hire hire people to get get you out of it. So yeah, you just you just pray that that the young artists don't don't encounter those those areas, and and just be smart about it. Around, you know. I, I think that that's that's something that I would advise as well. Is is if 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 one person in an industry is offering you uh, a contract, you've probably got value to other people in the industry. So try and find some, and then at very least, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that will spend 20 minutes talking talking through things with you, and you'll quickly identify whether that first person's interest was 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 maybe a bit. Um, dubious i think that's right i mean i think i think the only thing to say there is you know we've all been 
18 and naive and if somebody shows some interest in you when you've been practicing in your bedroom or your band have been thrashing around in a rehearsal room you tend to jump at the chance and and uh, you just need to, to take a pause and, and really see it through and just see if the person is, is offering as i said to you earlier um, um, any form of plan you know rather than just premises you know what what is there any meat on the bones of the plan yeah that's that's a uh... Very good advice. C- can I can I ask you a little bit about the the sort of financial relationships that are, are, are not not specific ones on any particular deal, but what what's a kind yeah. of typical deal look like f- for for you signing somebody relatively new? And I guess not just the the money, but you know the term and and yeah, I mean, kind of things you might have in that deal. I mean, our business model is. is, is Basically, that we make a set percentage of whatever the artists, the songwriters, the producers make from all aspects of their career. So, so ultimately, when they earn, we earn. We earn mm. a percentage of what they earn. It's as simple as that, really. So, you know, if, if there is a if there is a sort of three year development, let's say before an artist might might get into a first deal, that three years we put in with no expectation of earning any money, and we would do that willingly because we believe in the artist. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so you know, look. Do, do you do you invest money? Agreement, what, yeah. Sorry. Do you invest money at that point? So, if if they're working on their performance or, or or getting some photos or demos together, is is that something that you, as managers, would put in? Yes, we'd we'd be we'd be willing to do that um, in in the right areas, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, often. There's, there's everything from small things like people need to, to get around and buy a sandwich and, and get into a writing room with somebody if they don't live in that town or whatever it might be, right through to we might decide that, yeah, we'll, we'll go and make a record and put it out ourselves if, if we think that's the right thing to do. But if, if you're coming into the industry and you're like, you've never worked with a manager before, I, th- I think that's, that's a reassuring thing that they only get paid when you get paid. Oh, and yeah, And therefore, if yeah. in, in terms of trying to make... You know the maximum amount of money, and that's not necessarily everything that that the artist is interested in. You are aligned. You're, you're going to have the same interest because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the the, the two things run completely hand in hand and in parallel. You know, you're you, obviously what you're trying to do is is put the artist in the best creative situation, but also ultimately best financial situation, and that's just economics you know it's pure economics for them to survive live pay the rent buy a flat whatever it is then then you want to get them into a situation where they are earning money yeah of course but yeah there's a there, there is an investment in time there's an investment in in what you might call opportunity costs you know we we're working developing this artist rather than taking on another artist because we we've only got so many hours in the day but we're gonna we're gonna give our time to this this new artist because we believe in them but of course, there'll be expenses along the way, and we would expect to, um, to put our hands in our pockets and, and fully support the artist during that period. It's not to say, by the way, that you know we've taken on artists that that have got a bar job in the evenings to fund them. You know, we had an artist that lived out of London, and in order to fund him, self getting a train ticket in every day and, and coming and doing writing sessions that we were setting up, and so on, he was perfectly happy to have a bar job two or three nights. Of, of the week as part of that apprenticeship period that I was talking about, it's not always the case because obviously that's tiring and it can it can detract from the energy that an artist has. But it, he just suggested he wanted to do that. More power to him for that. 
I think we're not going to sit there and, and sort of put someone on a wage and, and make them think the job is done. That, that's probably not going to happen. You know, we're sort of in the trenches together at this point and working as hard as we can to uh, to get whatever was needed by way of pulling material together and songs and, and performance and everything else. But, but we, yeah, we would be as supportive as we needed to be. Yeah, I think there'd be a temptation, wouldn't there be? Uh, I'm thinking back to when I was when I was in my teens, You've signed with a manager. You'd think you'd sort of made it, but but actually, that's just the beginning. It's absolutely right, and that's the that's the worst news one could hear or feel or sense from an artist. You know, it's a bit it's a bit like I mean, I I, I say to people, and it's not not flippant. You know, getting into a deal is not the hardest bit. Actually, breaking, performing, making the right music—that's really hard. And working very very hard, and having to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to airport many many times to jump on planes around the world and go and do promo it sounds pretty glamorous from the outset but actually it's really hard work yeah it's it's a professional job once it's up and running and i think one of the one of the jobs of a good manager is to sort of communicate that clearly um early on with an artist to say look this is this is what you might expect from us and this is what i expect from you you know you've, you've got to you've got to pull your weight as much as we do we're we're working flat out on you and we expect you to do the same for yourself. And I think then if you have that reciprocal agreement, then things will generally go pretty well. Yeah. Well, what's the kind of length of the term of the contract that you typically look to do? I mean, do you, do you try and it, make it as long as possible or do you, do you like to have a sort of limited length? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think one tends to make them something like a three-year period or you might have, you might say for the, for the, the run of the first two albums that they might release and then they have an option to then move on or, or to renegotiate or, or to carry on so i would say you know let's say three years would be a would be a, a good number to as a general rule of thumb yeah can i can i ask about the the other end of a relationship what what, what happens when you and what triggers the decision when when you think i don't want to i don't think we can work with this person any anymore yeah i think that that can be a number of different things. And, and of course, um, it can be on both sides, you know, from, from the artist's point of view, if they get to the end of that contract. And some artists, you know, want to break their contract for their, for their own reasons before the end of the term. They have their own reasons, and, and who knows what they are sometimes, but they decide that the relationship isn't going the way they want it to sometimes, or, or it, it's broken down, or... Um, I, I've never really been in one of those situations, but but it can happen. And we've been in one situation where we sort of came to the end of a, 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 I think the artist was about to get into their third album cycle, and we sort of looked at each other and went, you know what, you probably need a new set of voices in your in your ear, and, and they probably felt the same. And it was totally mutual, and we're still very friendly, and, and, and it was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's just decide to part, part company. I think they're quite rare in in our experience. In my experience, they're quite rare. You know, we, we, when we sign up, we feel like we sign up for the long haul, and that and that means going through the good periods, the bad periods. You know, if an artist gets dropped from a label, which can happen or whatever, then you've got to roll up your sleeves and get back in and start the whole process again. And and, and that's part of it. You know, you got to you got to take those, let's call them bad times, alongside the good. Yeah. I've got a few, a couple of quickies that, that I, I thought yep. I'd just ask you to, to, to sort of finish off with. If, if you could give any piece of advice to, to young musicians starting out, just what would it be? 
be as self-sufficient as you can and work as hard as you can. Presume that nobody's going to come on board and look at the avenues that you can control and help yourself. And, and the reason I say control is because, you know, you have got the ability to now upload music. You, you, you can control your own socials. You can put your performance out there in some small way. And uh, you've got to try and build up a fan base because that's all that will happen the moment you step inside the deal. It will just be a continuity of that with more funds and, and more muscle behind it. But nothing will really change. Just because you sign a deal doesn't mean to say that you're going to be a, a star tomorrow. And any good books, podcasts, obviously apart from this one, articles, anything that you've seen that it would be worth young people getting hold of and having a read or a watch or a listen about the music industry and, and how, how to develop themselves? That's a tricky one. I mean, some people like reading the books that talk you through. There's a lawyer called Anne Harrison, um, and I can't remember what the book is called. She's wonderful, and, and I think it's something like The Business of Music. I think um, it is that, yeah. Yeah, and, and that gives you an absolutely fantastic grounding in all of the contractual parts, all, all of the bits of the sort of business side of it. But that's very on the business side, and some people are going to like that reading and, and that education. Some people are going to go, oh, you know, I'll leave that to somebody else. Yeah, that's that's the one, I think, in that area. Final question is, looking back on when you started out, Paul, all those many years ago, mm. um, and you're my age, so I know how, how many years ago that is. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah, what, what, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then about the industry? I know how it all fits together now. When I started... I was really naive. I was just a massive, massive fan of music. I, I knew my musical history. I knew my you know, favorite artists and so on. And I was just full of enthusiasm. I was all about creative. I started doing marketing and I moved into A&R. And I, I, I just loved that side of it. I know how it all fits together now. I, I know that certain rules still apply. And I go back to the idea of, it's an awful cliche, but, you know, 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. You really have to work at it if you're an artist. You've got to work very, very hard. It comes easy for some people, but you've still got to work at it. Um, and I think that has never changed and never will change. I mean, how we consume music now, we're in the middle of a revolution. It's fascinating. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. I love it, actually. There's incredible music around. Uh, driven by new technology, partly sounds, different approaches to songwriting and so on. And that's all changing. But at, at the fundamental core of it, you know, for an artist, they still have to work so hard to make it. That is a fantastic final bit. That is a, a great ending. Thank you very much, Paul McDonald. Oh, my pleasure. My it's pleasure. been a pleasure. Would you be interested in an overview of how the music industry really works? If so, I've put together a mini course called Learn How the Music Industry Works in just 25 minutes. And guess what? It explains how the industry works and takes about 25 minutes to listen to or read. If you'd find this helpful, go to gigami.co, that is G-I-G-O-M-I.co. Click on the Start Here button. It will take you to a sign-up page. Please sign up and we will deliver the mini course to you completely free of charge. Thank you to all of my guests who have taken the time to talk with me, and thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank Miles D, who has written and recorded the Gigami theme music. And as ever, if you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, if you have any questions, 
Or if you just want to get in touch with me, go to gigami.co. That is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.